0: Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast. This show is intended for information purposes only, but we're not experts. We're just two guys within
1: the Bitcoin community. Bitcoin is an experiment in the separation of money and state. You'll be surprised how many will support that. And adoption is the only thing that matters.
2: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast podcast. Episode number seventy one. I'm your first host, Cello.
3: And I'm host number two, D.
1: And host number three, Corey.
2: And we are us, uh, like what in the eye of the storm of the halving. Very exciting week. Right.
3: Yeah.
1: yeah. it's right it's right in the right in, right in the middle of it. I guess oh, yeah. that's the eye of the storm, if you want to say that.
3: I'm the tiger. D- <laughs> We're definitely in it It's about to go down It's like it's, a, it The sorry. the rocket's about to launch On that website I
1: don't, I don't really care
3: Yet I mean that's what you always tell you yourself That's what you tell yourself on Christmas Eve Drive so you can go to sleep easy Everybody knows that trick It's like ah it's no big deal I know I'm getting an N64 tomorrow It's no big deal No biggie oh. I'll just go to sleep.
1: I'm I'm curious to see what happens, but I'm not like I'm not shitting my pants. Well, Well, by the
2: time listeners hear this, it's already happened. So
3: yeah, by the time you hear this, you will be in the third heavening. So we
2: probably shouldn't spend too much time talking about it because by the time people hear it, people are drunk right now. People are
1: drunk right now. What's gonna be cool is zero downtime. Of the last four years during this, this block reward timing. If you even to call this an, like an, an epoch or era of Bitcoin, mm. we're entering in a new era. And so, as, if you look at the, like back on these last four years, it's been pretty good. It's way better than it was when the era started. We've, the development that's gone by has been, you know, dramatic and, and positive for the most part other than a few debating issues that we can talk about. Uh, there's been zero downtime. The usability and and actual use cases have improved dramatically. and So it's really going to be exciting to see what happens during this next era. That's what I'm excited about.
3: Is- Would you say that this is a new funk era? Thugged out with a gangster twist?
1: Uh, yeah, we can go with that.
3: If you're going to say that then you got you to sing it.
1: dog. with the gangster twist.
3: There we go. New funk era. <laughs> Everybody should play that. That should be the official happening <laughs> song. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, let's uh let's plug some sponsors real quick, pay fellas. Pay the
2: fucking bills. All right. We are brought to you by escrowmybits.com. It's fast, it's super easy. And it only takes a couple of steps, three to be exact. All you're going to do is register and deposit your Bitcoin. And then the seller will ship the item, buyer checks the goods. And then the funds are released. And they also offer Bitcoin escrow with a locked exchange rate. So no matter where you are in the world, they take care of you. And they charge a small flat escrow fee of 1% on all the transactions. And they even offer you the ability to split the fee with the other party. So they've thought of everything. And your funds are kept in a secure two of three multi-signature transaction where they only hold one key and the rest are yours. So their goal is to make using escrow as simple as possible. If you've been thinking about using them, you should probably use them. You dumb dumb. Use them. We talk about them every week and we want there to no longer be any excuses on why not to use escrow. So start that process. Go to that website. Sign up for that newsletter. You know the deal. That's uh, escrowmybits.com (laughs)
1: Escrowmybits.com
2: And then uh, with the halvening coming up, um,
3: so uh, funny. that stupid ass jingle that now is gonna be stuck in my head for the rest of my life. Don't worry, we got another one coming up. It's, yeah. an,
2: it's an effective jingle then. <laughs> so if you're thinking about uh, you know the halvening, you know, what is it and what will its effects on price be? Well, it doesn't matter because you know, you can go to our website and click on the purse.io banner and you can make uh you know some Amazon purchases like you normally do but you save 15% to 25% off the normal price and the best part is it gives us a little kickback and you can kind of show the show a little love and save yourself a little bit of money right
1: I'm I'm checking to see if there's sex swings on purse.com and he's serious uh, Yeah that way I can I can continue along my Buying your sex swing with Bitcoin, thing that I've been saying for the longest time. Yeah. And you can actually do it. I'm going to make sure you can do it on Purse. Buy your sex swings with
3: Purse. You know, you kind of sounded like Nate Dogg a little bit during that. You were like, show a little love. That's what you said.
1: Who said that?
3: Cello said that. he was just, Show a little love. If you listen get to shit songs, at purse you listen Stire. to all of
1: the songs. So... Yeah,
3: eventually you're gonna sound like Nate Dog. The next stop is the purse that I owe
2: banner. Yeah <laughs> yeah yeah.
3: yeah.
0: <laughs> Get your shirt we eat every day.
3: Yeah, that's really the one. Everyone we need knows. to save that one if we do it like an affiliate with Open Bazaar, which you can't. No. But <laughs> Yeah, open bazaar. Everyone knows those stores are selling weed. Kidding, kidding. Whoa. We don't know that. We don't know that, and we shouldn't say that. All so right. What are you, you going to go in on first? The lightning I'm buy a sex
1: swing with purse. Oh, you can. There's a sex oh, swing. Absolutely, for the low, low cost of twenty five dollars, you can.
3: Damn, That's discounts on the discounts main on main discounts. discounts.
1: Okay, got a very good one. But what do I know?
3: It's pretty really good. What's the brand? Uh, M Miss Smart. Ah, that's middle of the road. What's the thread count on it? That's what I want to know.
1: Looks like this is made with like.
3: We're going okay. in on things we shouldn't be. We need to go into <laughs> segwit. Can you segregate? The girl's witness on that sex swing—that's <laughs> bad. That was awful. Can I get a witness? I'll take the transaction <laughs> out of it.
1: If you know what I'm talking about. <laughs>
2: All right. Shout out to Africa. Shout so, out to Japan.
3: This is the thing. Um, Bitcoin's going to be in some upgrades soon. We know this. So it's just, and it just—it needs them desperately. I mean, other altcoins are doing phenomenal things, and Bitcoin's just staying old and the same. It needs to definitely move with the movers and shakers and groove with the groovers and bakers if it's gonna, you know, maintain its awesomeness. So there's some upgrades coming down the pipeline. Segregated witness, lightning network, block size increase. We wanted to talk about them so you guys kind of have a better grasp of them. And if we get anything wrong, which we, I hope that we don't, but we most likely will feel free to hit us up on the website and say, hey, you guys got this wrong, offs. So, let's well, get we'll into it. We'll invariably get
1: something wrong this episode.
3: Yeah. So, I suppose the thing we should probably talk about first is the most basic thing, right? Yeah. And that's the block size increase. If I it does indeed happen. So...
1: What are your opinions on the block size increase, D?
3: My opinions on the block size increase. Um, I there
1: think it's... P- opinion.
3: In my opinion, a block size increase is obviously a good idea. Every time I think of a block size increase, I think of that dumb, which obviously it wasn't a dumb commercial if I remember it so vividly, where there's these little like cartoon people, and then they're like walking around in cartoon land all sad, and then... The, the one who points at the wall, and he's like, look, there's a door. And then all the little cartoon people start running towards the door, but it's only, like, big enough for, like, two or three of them to fit through at a time. So they just get congested. And then some Hollywood voice comes in, and it's like, do you need a bigger door? And then it opens up big, and then the cartoon people can, like, run through the bigger door. But... You know, that's the easiest way to visualize a block size increase, you know, be able to fit more transactions in a block. But it also follows that metaphor because you just got a bunch of transactions flying into a block. All willy nilly, just like those people are all running through that big ass door willy nilly. No organization. There's no method to the madness. So that's the way I view a block size increase. Would it help? Yes. But like you said, like, I don't know, within the first six episodes of our show, it's just kicking the can. Down the road. Eventually, you got to do something about that can.
1: Yeah, but it's artificial. It's it's an artificial barrier that doesn't need to be there. Uh, in, I in, the, th- in the end, at some point, I'd imagine that. It doesn't even matter. The idea is that it doesn't matter. Is that you yeah, get exactly? It's, I use exactly <laughs> what you just said. We'll have the technology to be able to scale the block size to whatever it needs to be to dynamically grow with the current um, network. Uh, I'm Sorry, of my brain is off right now. The amount of people using the, the, the Bitcoin network at that time. The blockchain should be able to scale dynamically to whatever whatever people are using. And if you've artificially set that limit to one, then it's it's a rate limiting step. It keeps the, it keeps like if this were all one big chemical reaction, it keeps the chemical reaction from happening, from continuing. It just stops it artificially because you're out of one of your ingredients, the limiting reagent. Yeah, and if, if you set up this artificial barrier, then you're artificially slowing down the network or, or not allowing it to grow to what it can be. It may, something. I guess there's a lot of different arguments back and forth, but I don't know. At least one to two, so what? If people are so worried about a hard fork. If the community cares, like if you allow the community, community to decide whether or not to go through with a hard fork and you give them options, the community will decide what happens. And that's not even really given an option. It's just like, no, I'm not going to. No one's going to make the implementation. I guess they tried with Core and Classic, and the miners didn't want it. So, You think the
3: community cool. would be ready for a hard fork by now? We spent all this time oh, getting a, it ready.
1: I think there's just it's been built up to this thing that people are just scared about, and they're afraid mm. that Bitcoin's going to break. Bitcoin's not going to break.
3: Yeah, sometimes a hard fork is necessary, and especially after this much before preparation, you know, it should just be an easy fork, and both parties will be happy. Everybody's going to be happy. So,
2: Ethereum reached a unanimous agreement to hard fork.
1: They did. They did not. They did not. That that article is. Is drastically misleading. I didn't read
2: it; just the title. Should have read it. <laughs>
3: Clickbait. Got baited. Yeah,
2: I got <laughs> baited hard on <laughs> Never mind. No,
1: but how that? So that 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 article? I guess someone made a poll and polled a lot of the DAO token holders, maybe, which represents maybe like I don't know the amount of people that were polled is like maybe five to fifteen percent of the entire Ethereum community, and they unanimously agreed for a hard fork and by unanimously, I mean this small subset of people, like 97% of them said, yes, let's go for a hard fork. And so the author or someone who read this essentially made an article that says Ethereum unanimously agrees to hard fork when he just, he's referring to a small poll of very biased people. No shit. All the Dow token holders want a hard fork because they want their money back. And so it's, 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 uh, yeah, it's dream I would of- say that the, the likelihood of a hard fork is very good based on what I've read from a lot of the leaders and the community response to what they've said. Uh, it seems like a hard fork is going to be the way to go. That being said, if it doesn't happen, there's a, there's people still actively working to try and mitigate this scenario if the community decides not to hard fork, which I think they will.
3: Man, if you... The thing about hard forks, like I said, is they're just a lot easier when you take the time and you're patient and you prepare before. So it's an easy fork. So... Nevertheless... Damn it, why do I keep saying that? That's like my transition word of choice. It's better than um. I gotta stop saying that. You know, what's funny is... I had like a speech class in high school and we would work. Up. I'm not going into that dumb ass story. I don't say nevertheless though. I say nevertheless too much. Um, So that's the block size increase. I mean, I think just do s- similar to like what Corey said, fucking like, do it. kicking the can out. Yeah. Fucking do it. Fucking just do it. But here's the thing about segregated witness Did I say that correctly? Segregated. Segregated. Segregated Segregated witness. That's how someone with a speech impediment would say it, I think. Segregated witness. Can I Um, do a witness? (laughs) You're... I think you should say that every time we say segregated witness. I do, in my (laughs) head. head. (laughs) Um... Is that a block size is a block size increase is implied with segregated witness because you have to increase the blocks in order to add segregated witness, from what I understand. No. Are you sure? Not
1: quite. I don't think so.
3: I thought you gotta give it a little bump Saru just to just to add segregated witness.
1: Yeah, I don't think so. No. That's not how the way I, I currently understand it. I mean, there's there's two ways you can fit transactions. You can limit the number of transactions of a single block. You can put a cap on the size of information, the amount of information, so the bytes or megabytes of the size of the block. Or you can put a limit on the number of transactions you can put into a block. Right? So those are the two ways you can grow a block is through a a number of transactions or the total size of the transactions inside. Mm -hmm. Currently, we're running into the total size um, limit, which is one megabyte currently. I think the number of transactions are, I think, around 10,000 or something. I forget. Mm -hmm. We're not running into it. Uh, And so what segregated witness does is, well, segregated witness was originally intended to be to fix the transaction malleability bug. So that's what happens is uh, every transaction is given a unique transaction ID. Can database. I elaborate on that? Yeah, go ahead.
3: So for our users that don't understand transaction malleability, which is you're guaranteed to get hit with one of these zingers by somebody who thinks they've studied Bitcoin a little bit, and they say transaction malleability is going to lead to its doom. You're not all the way. Okay, transaction malleability, so each transaction ID, 64 hexadecimal code kind of thing. And what transaction malleability meant is that before Segwit, now currently, you can actually change how the transaction ID is generated. So it would have the same information, aka this amount of Bitcoin is going from Alice and to Bob but the transaction id would be different on say i don't know btcc's books than it would be on i don't know whatever exchange's books same transaction
1: different id you could see how that gets confusing oh so, so the the transaction id that you send out gets changed by the miner and so it makes it more difficult to track the transaction that you sent out absolutely
3: which is a good thing for anonymity but it's kind of a bad thing for record keeping because everybody's books are all weird and different
1: no the blockchain is the same it's just the it's it's harder to find the transaction that you sent out so if you're relying on the transaction id that you have in your in your local wallet Mm -hmm. as the history say like within within 10 minutes let's say within before your transaction gets included into a block and put into the the you know immutable history of Bitcoin. Wow! Ah, so, it, so well, if you want to spend the same money, or if you want to spend different money, then you are going to watch the transaction, the, the, un, the you know the unspent or sorry the impending waiting transaction you put into a block and use other inputs and outputs that you have allocated mm-hmm. are part, part of that transaction. Well, what happens if that transaction gets changed? By the miner who puts it into the block, then it's fucked up your local bookkeeping, and you may have accidentally sent off a bad transaction yep and and Segwood prevents that
3: third party and that script, ma- script sig malleability is what it's called, okay it it allows users you know to take the parts that can be changed okay and and move them somewhere else into what's called the transaction witness part. And so people can witness that segregation.
1: We'll see what happens. So like the things that they can change, they essentially just said, well, screw it. Let's take it out of the blockchain and put it into a separate entity, a separate database, which will have to be followed and and gone along with. And by doing that, they've taken out a lot of information from what needs to be checked and put into the block. That's a lot of like my information. I mean, um, bytes and bits and megabytes and so on and so forth. Those take up quite a bit of space. And so by fixing the malleability, by putting it into a separate entity, and so your transaction ID always stays the same, you're also indirectly lowering or increasing the amount of transactions you can fit into a block because the average size of a transaction gets smaller. So it's like you're you're extracting information out of what would be put into a block and then putting it into a separate chain
3: that is then yeah. followed. And they're going to increase the block size, too, at the same time that they introduce Segregated Witness. So let's go back to the stupid commercial with the running cartoon people. Now the door is going to get bigger, but there's also going to be little arrows over the door to tell which kind of people to walk through which kind of arrows. Now, if you say that, it sounds kind of bad. Nowadays, we're definitely not supposed to segregate. Definitely not. It's but a terrible
1: name for what it does. Yeah, it but is. It's, it's an engineer's name, essentially. It's an engineer came up with it. He doesn't understand how people interact with the names with of things.
3: things. Yeah. Segregation in math and in the science isn't such a bad thing. It allows you to put things into different categories and know the behavior of those things. Okay. And the groups and the subgroups and these yada yada and so on and so on and so forth, but segregating people is an awful thing. Awful. If you're playing musical chairs, then it's okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's what it does. Is and so now the people are going to be running through the big open door, but in a very a more organized manner. Because even if you make the door bigger. If people are running through it, eventually they're going to approach the same problem where they're just getting all jumbled up. And instead of three or four people getting jumbled up at the door, it's going to be like, I don't know, 25, 35 people getting jumbled up in the door. It's going to be harder. I suppose Like they would just find a happy medium and explode out in the middle or the left. or the, I'm getting too deep into the metaphor. But what segregated windows does is it it just organizes the information a little bit better. As it goes into a block. Which is another good thing. And it also paves the way for the Lightning Network. Now, why does
1: the Lightning Network
3: need Segregated Witness? I don't think it needs Segregated Witness. I think it makes Segregated Witness easier to implement, according to the Bitcoin Core website.
1: It does. So, Segregated Witness makes a lot of things easier to implement.
3: Yeah. It's such People, a heavy from from what we've heard in the past and read in the past is it's such a heavy undertaking doing that much of an update to Bitcoin and I'm well, thinking
1: that' what you, what you're doing is your i mean just for, get a broad overview is you' is you're opening up a payment channel which then allows a lot of a lot of a lot of a lot of lot of a lot of, lot of off chain transactions yeah. and if one of those transactions has a problem you then verify it automatically on the Bitcoin blockchain so By opening up a payment channel, you're essentially hashing something and creating a transaction ID, but you're not publishing it yet. So you're going to need to be able to not change that transaction ID during the lifetime Mm -hmm. of that payment channel. That's why
3: it makes it easier because the transaction ID, there's no malleability. The, The TX ID is the TX ID, like going from where it's coming from and to where it ends up. So I believe having that like transaction ID is what makes lightning network so much easier to implement because now you can have a verifiable open channel and know that that verifiable open channel is that verifiable.
1: And so I guess a lot of people's arguments to not increasing the block size is that if you can have, you know, arbitrarily large number of transactions on the network, you can fit that many transactions uh, per second on the network with the Lightning Network. Why do you care about the transaction size of uh, the Bitcoin blockchain? And yep. that's because if we scale to the level we want to scale, even the people publishing from the Lightning Network to the blockchain, Bitcoin blockchain will fill the blocks immediately. And you'll have the same problems that we're you know, currently seeing now. Yep. So there still needs to be scalability of the Bitcoin blockchain, regardless of how well Lightning Network scales. Yeah, and for
3: you futuristic type people out there thinking doing using the blockchain in crazy and unique ways, we're gonna need bigger blocks. We are. If you want to, if you want to use Bitcoin for more than just money, for smart contracts, for I believe Rootstock is essentially trying to build. A side chain that is Ethereum that just hangs out with Bitcoin, all the time, the smart contracts. Um, hopefully, better DAOs. Uh oh, is this still a sore topic? Is it too soon? No, it's not too soon anymore. Sorry. Shout out to Steven Tool. You guys tried hard, but going down like Goose and Top Gun. Shit. <laughs> yeah. um, speaking of which, what was why was the water green? In that scene. I've never been able to figure that out.
1: Algae. Algae? I don't know. Algae's green.
3: I don't know. Go back to Top Gun. Watch when he's holding goose in the water and he's crying hard doing Tom Cruise sideways face. <clears throat> the water's green. Never it's figured. An old Bad cameras. Yeah, it's crazy. Weren't
2: um, they just weren't they just getting done parachuting into the yes. water? Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah, maybe oh, the parachutes. It, they, they, it was a it was a paint it was a dye can from the you know emergency landing, so that people oh. moving over and see them. Now I remember the scene.
3: That makes sense. Now, things you don't know when you're eight years old.
1: Dude, Anyways. I watched. Oh, I'm not going to go on that tangent. Never mind. Keep going. Well,
3: let's let's do that after because the reason why we're talking about all these upgrades, um, we're going to talk about lightning network when we get back. The reason we're talking about it is because if you're investing in Bitcoin, you got a vested interest both personally and financially and, well, I guess, all the above ways invested in Bitcoin. It's important and it would behoove you to figure out what these things are when people are saying SegWit, um, block size increase, Lightning Network, Fiber Network, Blair Network, or was it the Blaze Network or something? All these different... Flair... Flare Network, uh, you know, all these things go into adding value and talking points, and and uh, they enrich this thing that you're invested in. So, speaking of investing... M- Segway up in this biatch. Days of Thunder is better
2: than Top Gun. <laughs> Anybody want to take that challenge? No? Oh,
3: All yeah, right. I'm taking That's false. That's 100% false. It's a great movie. That is false. Uh, don't get me wrong. One of Michael Bay's finest. But. Oh, no, no, no. That's not Michael Bay. That's Peter Bruckenheimer. Or Bruckenheimer.
1: Jets are way cooler than than
3: race cars. It's the same uh, damn movie. One's got cars no on it. There's jets. no question about
1: that. There's no question
3: about that. Jerry Bruckenheimer made that film. Bruckheimer. Bruckheimer? Yeah. I'm sorry. I apologize to Jewish people everywhere. Um, He's involved
2: in like every movie.
3: I'm pretty sure. He's the guy responsible for those crazy guitar licks in movies, like in Armageddon. like, That's a Bruckheimer move. Brockenheimer. Guggenstein. Okay, so we've got Chris Dunn. Coming on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Chris Dunn. Uh, I was a little bit
2: like weary about him because, you know, we've heard all before that get rich quick. I'm successful. You can be successful too. And we all know that that's, that's kind of, kind of horse shitty a little bit. Can I say that? But I like Chris Dunn because he's, he's on a journey to kind of discover ways to create income and build wealth. And I mean, I guess the result is to have complete autonomy and freedom. Uh, So you have these so-called gurus in the circle of investing and making money online and trading. And unfortunately they make the bulk of their money selling you products or doing something else entirely, um, you know, rather than actually just practicing what they preach. So, you know, for me, Chris Dunn is kind of an anomaly. You know, he's, he's nice, he's knowledgeable, and he's just seeking out people to tell about Bitcoin. He lays down the risks, the benefits and the possibilities encountered in trading. Um, he has a, a deep experience in Bitcoin trading, and he has been successful for many, 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 many years. And this week, we're just going to share with you like his journey, and you know, we learn a thing or two. And with the recent halving, he's going to kind of show you what's working now and what pitfalls to avoid. And uh, he was recommended by a listener of the show. So, I mean, if you want to hear someone on the show, if you want to recommend someone to come on, write us. We'll reach out, and and like in this particular instance, you know, it all worked out. So. Chris Dunn.
3: Here it is. Sounds good. All right. So, first off, Mr. Dunn, love your story. Uh, We read last week uh, you offered a waitress $40 on a check or $20 (laughs) plus one Bitcoin, and she took the fiat even after explaining the ease of exchanging into USD. It kind of reminded me about the power of compounding. Or if I stand in front of a Walmart and I ask 100 people, you know, would you like to work for me for 30 days, I'll pay you $60,000 or I'll double your salary every day, starting with a penny, you know, nine out of 10 people are going to take the $60,000.
4: Exactly. You know, yeah. they, don't,
3: they don't realize how one penny doubling, you know, turns into a lot of money really quickly. So I guess the story with the waitress breaks my heart. And, and why do you think people are so resistant to change in that essence?
4: Yeah, man. it's a, It was a really interesting learning experience for me. So I'll just give you a little backstory like how this happened. So we were at this restaurant slash bar with some friends talking about Bitcoin. And the waitress was like, what is that? I've heard about that. And I was like, well, let me show you. Let, let's do a little experiment. So I was like, okay. She, so she brought us our check. It was, just, it was like 20 bucks or something like that. It was like for two drinks. And I was like, look, I'll give you what was it? 40 bucks. It was like, I'll give you a little bit more than the, the check in cash. Um, or I'll give you one Bitcoin, which, and then I was, my buddy showed her, it was like, Oh, it was still over 700 bucks at the time. And, um, she was like, what? Okay. Well, I, I don't, I don't know. Like, and so we bumped it up and I was like, look, okay, how about this? Let's make it a little more challenging. I'll give you $200 cash or the Bitcoin. And I just, I wanted to see how far I could push it. And she ultimately chose the cash. And it was just a really interesting learning experience for me, like kind of seeing how people judge risk, right? Because if, if somehow she couldn't pay her bills with her, couldn't get, you know, couldn't use it, she's out, you know, not only $200, but she also has to pay the check, right? Cause I told her, I'm like, I'm not going to give you cash, but I'll give you 700 and something dollars worth of Bitcoin. And so I could see her like calculating in her mind, like the risk to reward. And she's like, I don't know. So for her, it was just, I guess, easier. And it felt like I'll take, you know, I'll take a, a couple hundred bucks today, then maybe three or four times that if I can figure it out. So I guess the risk to reward just wasn't worth it for her. And, you know, I feel like that's maybe kind of the same resistance that we all experience whenever we're talking to people about Bitcoin is like, you know people just don't understand it and they don't want to put the time in to to understand it even though it's you know what doubled tripled quadrupled over the past you know 18 months mm-hmm. and now that bitcoin's price is high everybody wants to buy but nobody wants to buy when it's low so it's it's just it boggles my mind
3: it's really weird and i think you pretty much you you answered the question i mean the people are resistant to change because of the risk associated with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, Bitcoin is a risky investment. It's a risky thing to back like personally and Mm -hmm. financially. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, why do you always talk about this crazy internet money? And it's like, well, I don't know what to tell you. You need to buy some or, and then I'll stop talking about it, I guess. (laughs) So, yeah. I mean, you as being someone who has high expectations for the, the exchanges, Could you tell us a little bit about this Bitfinex or Finex, I don't know how you say that, debacle uh, for those that aren't in the know, and as of now, trading is live, but obviously, you know, we need to be cautious of, you know, Mm -hmm. the widespread concern and and what could go on with the exchange, but do you know a little bit more details about what happened with Bitfinex?
4: Yeah, so Bitfinex, for anybody that doesn't know, it's um, the largest U.S. exchange, so You know, people trade on it. Um, People invest and and buy and sell. And, you know, there are people on there that have different goals. Some people trade for profit like I do. Like I I go into buy low, sell high, and then short and make money on the big swings. Uh, Some people just invest. And and, uh, some people make the mistake of treating exchanges like a bank account or a broker where they feel safe that they can park their cash at a brokerage, but that that's an or at an exchange. That's an absolutely terrible idea. I mean, case in point was Mt. Gox, which I was warning people about months in advance that I thought they were insolvent. And so so anyway, what happened with Bitfinex recently was last night, and I still don't have clarity on what happened, but basically their servers went down or something locked up and they just they halted trading at a very, very key moment. You know, Bitcoin has been on a rip for the past four weeks. It's had, you know, four weeks of just steady gains. And then out of nowhere, it's like right when Bitcoin's price is at a really crucial level, the biggest US dollar exchange goes down. Well, what do you think is going to happen when they open up? People are going to freak out. They're going to panic and they're going to sell. And so Bitfinex is kind of, Gotten this reputation and this kind of name, Glitch Finex. You know, I like to glitch out. And- <laughs>
3: <Glitchfinex>. <laughs>
4: there have been accusations of, you know, the CEO trading against his customers. There have been accusations of them doing funny games. I'm not here to make any accusations. I'm just here to tell them that. And if they're listening, you guys are the biggest USD exchange. Get your shit together. Like it's unacceptable. Mm, you I like know? that. Yeah, it's unacceptable. They've had years to figure this stuff out, and it's like right when Bitcoin is doing well. Like I've just been frustrated this week. Like last week was so incredible, you know. And not that I lost money on the drop, but it was. It's just I'm disappointed, you know, in the Dow debacle and then Bitfinex. It's like guys, come on. As a community, we can do better. Like I want to. I want us to hold each other to to higher standards, and it's just it's just disappointing. And so. Today, what happened was, um, you know, people woke up because that happened late last night. It was like, I want to say 10 or 11 or midnight when they finally came back on uh, here in the U.S. And then, you know, so I was actually in my trading room with a bunch of uh, trading students and we were able to manage out of that trade before it really dumped. And then today it dumped, I think, another 10 percent or so. And um, and yeah, and then they they glitched out again this morning. So it's just unacceptable in my in my mind.
3: Absolutely. I feel like that, too. I feel like every time, you know, Bitcoin or I guess crypto is, is getting a little steam, you know, that snowball's getting bigger, mm-hmm. headed towards mass adoption. Oh, get the feet swept out from underneath <laughs> them. And then there's true, this man. huge debacle and it turns off a bunch more people. And I, the thing that I think that sucks the most is that these are people that were kind of bought in. And, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, I lost a bunch of money. Bitcoin now sucks. And now I can really passionately tell everyone I know how bad Bitcoin is and what happened mm-hmm. to me. It's just it's like a couple of steps back, but.
4: It is, man. And and it's like, it took so long for Bitcoin's image to recover from the Mt. Gox issue. Like, that was just such a hot topic for the media. You know, the media loves to dog Bitcoin when the price is low and loves to cheerlead it when the price is up. But you're right, man. I mean, it took so long to get over that. And then it's like, right when everybody's eyeballs are back on it, it's like, Oh, actually, we created this project that nobody really understood called DAO, and we raised a <laughs> ton of money, and we lost a lot of it. Sorry, like it's, it's An just enormous,
3: enormous amount of money.
4: Yeah. That.
3: Oh, and and know.
4: this is this is gonna actually cause a lot of fallout. You know, the regulators are gonna look at this. Like, it's this mess is not anywhere close to being over, and I just. I hope there's no I hope there's no more massive screw ups like this in the near future because like you said, man, we just need to keep pushing forward and every time they pull the legs out from under us, it just takes time. And whenever you screw over a, a big group of people, you know, that like you said, that's that's like an army of people that are just out there that are like, Nope, you know, Bitcoin sucks, mm-hmm. forget about it, and that message spreads.
3: Yeah. The funny thing is I did notice um, i just taken a look right before this interview started that apparently the dow devs are attacking the dow attacker to get some (laughs) of the funds back i don't know but i don't i don't want to start spreading that rumor but that would be hilarious i think so
4: yeah my uh my business partner just was skyping me he said uh the white hats are draining the dow and they're forking and you know so ethereum's price is kind of bouncing a little bit and yeah, I I don't know what they're going to do, but the the next week will be really interesting to to say the least.
3: Absolutely. So, you've been trading for a little while now. Uh, what crypto pairings do you trade the most?
4: Uh Bitcoin is has primarily been my bread and butter. Um I started trading it in 2013 and I actually so I I stayed away from altcoins altogether just because I I don't really like illiquid markets like penny stocks and stuff like that. But, um, this year when Ethereum got rolling, um, I think it was in January when, when it started ramping up and it went from a dollar to 15, like I, I traded basically that whole run up and then shorted it like a month later. So that was really my first, I guess, like serious look at trading altcoins. Mm.
3: And just, just like Ether or Litecoin.
4: Yeah, yeah. So, Ether, trade a little bit of Litecoin, um, uh, Factum. Yeah, we had a pretty big pop on Factum a couple months ago. Um, So, yeah, this year, 2016, is, is pretty much the first year that I've started like seriously trading altcoins. But, you know, most of my, my crypto holdings are in Bitcoin and, and that's kind of what I, I look to trade most often.
3: Awesome. I like your... I read a little bit about you and and your you pretty much self-taught yourself finance and you've been trading stocks and futures for for a while now. So I think it said 2000, 2000 let me just add it up there.
4: Yeah, about 2001, I I was in high school and I was working part-time in a mortgage company and I saw some guys day trading and um they like kind of took me under their wing and so I lost a bunch of money for a long time, and just <laughs> yeah, just learned as much as I could, and and I, I geeked out on it, man. And um, yeah, I, I fortunately or unfortunately, I heard of Bitcoin in 2011, and I told my buddy, I'm like, look, man, I don't have time for this right now, and I, I pushed it aside for two years, and then looked at it in 2013 when the China bubble hit, and finally realized like, oh my god, this is much more than I, I, I
0: thought it was. Yeah, I
4: yeah, and and I actually since then have put most of my attention on trading cryptos. Like it's been more profitable than the stock and futures market for me now.
3: So could you I mean, let me see if I can word the question right. Do, what are the I guess what are the main differences between like traditional commodities traditional trading with stocks mm-hmm. and futures and crypto? Like how do these markets differ and how are they the same? Like I guess basic compare and contrast.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Good question, man. Um, So the biggest difference I would, if I had to put it in like one sentence would be like the barrier to entry. So if you want to day trade, like as a living, if you want to day trade the stock market, there's this thing called the pattern day trader rule, which means you need $25,000 in your account to be a day trader. And so that right there is a game killer for a lot of people that are just looking to get started. Um, but then, you know, if you want to trade futures with leverage, you can trade with less money. Like, you know, technically you can trade with as little as one to $5,000. But the problem is if you're trading the futures market or, you know, some more competitive, um, tickers like Google and Apple and, and stuff like that, you got to think about who's on the other side of your trade. So the people or the companies or the entities or whatever you want to call them that are on the other side of your trade that are you're trading against are billion dollar hedge funds. They're high frequency computer algorithms. They're P- nowadays their PhDs, mathematicians. Like it is a highly competitive space that is every year it gets harder and harder and harder. So the difference, or if we look at Bitcoin, there's pretty much no barrier to entry. There's no minimum trade size. You, you can start trading with Bitcoin with five bucks if you want to. Um, you know, it's it's relatively easy to, to get signed up with an exchange. You know, there's no middleman, there's no broker. Um, and then the competition is way less. You know, you got to think about who's trading Bitcoin. It, it's a lot of new people. It's a lot of what I call dumb money. People just throw in their money at the market. And so, for somebody like me that has a lot of experience with technical analysis and order flow and this type of stuff, like just makes it really easy. It's, it's just a really fun new market to trade. And I like it because it kind of like, like re-democratizes the financial markets. It gives the power back to like the little guys. Like, and that's why I teach because I have so many like guys and kids and, and older people, you know, just people from all over the world that are like, Hey, I've, I've always heard about wall street and the stock market. I've always wanted to trade it, but I never had enough money or I could never get my account approved. And they're just so excited. And, and I just love helping people. So like today I I just got a tweet from a guy that was like, Hey man, just paid off my $60,000 student loan. Thanks to, you know, Bitcoin trading and your help. I was like, man, that's what it's about. Like Hmm. it's about helping people. It's about like you know, taking the power away from like the big Wall Street firms and giving it back to the the individuals.
3: Absolutely. That's man, that's a good story. It's it's good that you teach people too. like you you, you give it out there. And there's a lot. I'm one of them. Corey and I, uh, we trade here or we try to. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember the very first. Uh, it's, it's a funny story in our on our slack is that Uh, My very first futures trade using Litecoin was gone in, like, 30 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) It was so funny because we had spent this, uh, like, two weeks, like, playing this game where we tried to anticipate what the price was going to be at a specific, you know, time in the Mm -hmm. day. And we would, like, we recorded it and see how far we were wrong, how how close we were to being right. Mm -hmm. And after two weeks of preparing, I'm finally like, all right. I'm going to place this futures trade and it's nice. money making time. And like yeah. 30 seconds later, I was like, uh, it's gone. What? Yeah. And just,
4: <laughs> there, and there's a big difference between like practicing and actually having money on the line.
3: Yeah. It was, it's like one of the funniest stories. But we've been trading kind of successfully uh, recently, um, just using like basic stuff like the MACD and, mm-hmm. um, the, uh, the moving averages, but I'd like to ask you, what do you personally, like, what are your personal unique strategies? I guess, I, I guess don't give away all your secrets, but maybe yeah. if you could give away like half of a secret to our yeah, listeners. Man, I, I don't mind.
4: I, so, so here's the thing I could teach on here for eight hours straight and people would still probably lose money because trading is so much, the mental side of trading is so important. Like, you know, a technical analysis and like indicators and strategies, that, that's like the sexy part of trading, right? Mm-hmm. But the reality is, is that like trading is such a mental game. It's like, I call it mental Olympics where it's like, you can know what to do. You can have the best intentions. You can have the best training, but if your mind isn't right, you're not going to execute it right. So I'm going to just say a couple of things that I think if, you know, people listen to, it can at least help them not lose a lot of money. Um, which is step one, right? Like a lot of people go in the markets and they throw money at it and then they lose and they're like, well, why did that happen? So the, the biggest thing is just understanding mass human psychology and not getting overly enthralled with like indicators. Cause it's really easy to throw a whole bunch of stuff on your chart, right? Like MACD, RSI, CCI, moving averages, Bollinger Band. Like there's, there's hundreds or if not thousands of these things out there. But the biggest thing, the most important thing is price action and volume and understanding why a market is doing what it's doing. If you can start there and just, you know, learn basic human psychology and how it's related in the price action, that will put you ahead of like at least 80 or 90% of traders.
3: Mm. But that's, that, that's some gold. You're handing out gold on the Bitcoin podcast tonight.
4: <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I, I just… I'm passionate about this stuff because I saw a lot of people in 2013 that were like buying at 900 or a thousand. And I saw some people that were like, yeah, I'm putting my retirement account in this. And I'm like, Oh my God. I'm like, this is going to end so bad. So I took the unpopular opinion at the time. My first blog post ever about Bitcoin was actually negative. I'm like, it was called, is Bitcoin a good investment? And I was basically saying like, look, I get Bitcoin. I believe in it. I think it's cool, but as an investment right now, it is so, 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 so risky. Again, you know, I'm not like a financial advisor, so I can't tell you what to do with your money, but here's the downside risk. I just want people to, to think about the risk. But whenever you have that FOMO, right, that fear of missing out, it's like people just get, they go blind and they're like, I just want to get rich, right? Mm-hmm.
0: And
3: they forget
4: about the downside. And then before you know it, half of your account's gone, right? Like,
3: Absolutely. So, this yeah, last so that was time I learned...
4: Started in this space was just to help people not lose their ass.
3: <laughs> yes, definitely. I I learned a lot. I this is my first, I guess, significant boom bust cycle since I've been into Bitcoin since about two thousand thirteen. I did. Mm-hmm. I I was on the the very. I got in right at the Mount Gox debacle, and so that was embarrassing to did tell. Did you people. lose
4: a lot of money in in Gox?
3: I didn't use a lot because I didn't lose a lot. 'cause you were just I'm, getting started. I'm risk-averse to begin with. Like, I, yeah. like you know, my buddy, Corey, who runs the show with me now, you know, when he first came in, and uh, he, I didn't even want anything to do with Bitcoin. I was like, get your mm. internet monopoly money out of here. Um, <laughs> I have my own monopoly money, and yeah. I'm fine with it. The blues for the 500. But, <laughs> or oh wait, no, that's dark gold, actually. I haven't played in a while. Anyways. uh <laughs> But later in the year, he got me into it. I bought my first one, just like he said, right at around $900. Mm-hmm. And then it jumped up to 1200 And I was like, it's already working. Then, I'm rich! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, then Mount Gox happened. And I was like, well, I guess I better learn about Bitcoin now because mm-hmm. definitely can't shout from the mountaintops that its price is increasing. But while I'm on this, uh, this uh, vein of learning lessons as a trader uh, what are some of the lessons that you've learned that have kind of you know framed how you trade now uh, in comparison to how you first you know started
4: good question man so whenever i first started like i was basically just chasing the market like i would whenever i would look at a stock or futures contract or whatever i was looking at i would just be like okay it's going up so let me buy it's going down so let me sell and that Is the absolute wrong way to think about things. Like my, my thinking has shifted into what, what is the mass majority of people thinking and doing? And where is that either going to capitulate, meaning change dramatically quickly? Or is there something that I believe is going to happen that nobody else is seeing? That's where you make money anywhere in business and real estate and commodities especially trading. It's just, you know, whenever you're trading based on charts, what you're looking at is a visual representation of the actions of everybody. That That's why I like trading so much is because like, you can just look at a computer screen and know what everybody's doing. It's so cool. And like, so to give you an example, like I, I bought in 2015 um, I bought the, basically the low of the year, um, the first, I think it was the second week in January at 188. So what happened was price was actually panicking in November and December, 2014. And it went from about like, I think $400 down into the one hundreds and it bounced and and it was capitulating. So I, I looked at that and I said, everybody is so negative on Bitcoin, you know, after in 2013, the media just pumping Bitcoin hard. 2014 was so, so, so ugly. I'm like, I actually believe in Bitcoin. And when this thing just dumps off, when everybody's freaking out, when that subsides, when the panic stops, a lot of times you get a, a pretty aggressive reversal. And those are my favorite types of trades. I, I love whenever there's exuberant bullishness, whenever it's going up too fast, can be a good time to short. Or whenever it's crashing, washing out, and everybody on Twitter and the forums and everything is just like screaming bloody murder. And you know, when that capitulates, a lot of times you can get massive, massive
3: rips. Mm. So, like it, recently, I mean, I think th- I think uh, kind of on the same lines as you, I think Ethereum is going to make a big swing back up. I think mm. if they get this Dow thing figured out, and after that settles down and the lessons are learned. I think that Ethereum stands a chance to swing back up and at least try and test that high that it had in March or what was it, like 0.0337 of Bitcoin? Yeah, yeah. I think Ethereum stands a chance. I don't think it's dead. What's funny is like everyone in the Bitcoin community so funny to say Ethereum's dead, like throwing the same kind of salt on the Ethereum game as the Bitcoin yeah. game gets all the time. But uh, I don't know. That's just my... I'm kind of like... I think blood is in the streets right now in the Ethereum traders world, and now is a good time. But let me. Re- it could, it could be.
4: I was. I was reading. So I'm not a programmer. I'm not technical, but I was reading something last night that apparently there's something something in the code that a lot of people are just saying is is really detrimental going forward. So when it comes to stuff like that, like I, I don't know. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. sure. I'm like you, I I hope it bounces for, you know, just for the community. Like I'm, I own a little bit of Ethereum, but you know, I'm not in a a trade per se. I'm just like, I hope this recovers for the, just, just to show that we can have a second successful experiment, right? Like Bitcoin's the first, like I want, I want Ethereum to succeed and I want them to have a win after this big L, you know, after the big loss on Dow, I just want something to be successful that we as a community can look, go to the mainstream media and be like, look, guys, we did something good.
3: Absolutely. (laughs) It's so hard getting any kind of good news from the mainstream media, though. (laughs) Yeah.
4: It's funny. When when Bitcoin's price goes up, they love it. I mean, and I told people a couple weeks ago, I'm like, look, guys, Forbes, CNBC, everybody's like pumping it up now. But it'd be nice if we had something new and tangible, right? Like a project that just crushed it. Mm
3: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It was it's funny, um I was a teacher up until recently, recently resigned from that, but I would I would always talk to my teacher friends about Bitcoin and like one day at lunch one of the teachers does a Google search in front of everyone and like the the headlines were atrocious. This was back <laughs> in like two thousand fourteen. She was uh-huh. like Well this one says the Bitcoin CEO committed suicide and I was like, What? That's not even a thing And then yeah. <laughs> it was it no, just got I remember worse. that. It was that girl, right? Yeah, I think it was some girl who committed suicide and was related to some Bitcoin company. I don't know, but Mm -hmm. nevertheless. Yeah, there there were a lot of
4: the Bitcoin CEO does X. Bitcoin CEO gets arrested. There was one Bitcoin CEO dies in... um, in a uh, moped accident in Thailand, I think it was like an exchange in Australia. The guy got killed and I'm like, it, but it's the same story, right? Like Bitcoin yeah. CEO, like everybody thought there was a CEO of Bitcoin.
3: Yeah, this it's the media does an awful job. I've been trying to get someone from the media. I love saying the media with quotations all the time all right. on my show for a while. No dice yet. I don't know why not. No, but just a just a couple more questions. And then sure. you know it's been an amazing interview. Uh, I could tell you do this as well, very well, with uh Chris Dunn <laughs> TV. I saw that on your mic. Yeah, uh, what was I gonna, what was I gonna ask? Oh yeah, you've been talking about technical analysis versus you know just kind of knowing basic human psychology. Which do you think? Because a lot of people, especially on the Reddit forums will are very quick to, as soon as anybody offers any sort of technical opinion based on technical analysis, they just crap on them. Like, they (laughs) shit on the guy. They're like, technical analysis is like throwing chicken bones on a plate. And I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, but it's not, though, because I kind of make money with it. So, (laughs) I don't. So, which do you think is it? Do you think TA works technical analysis or just basically knowing human psychology, which... Do you do or, or I guess that,
4: that, that's a good, that's a good question. I, I'll say this technical analysis always works in hindsight, meaning like you can look at a chart at stuff that's already happened and like justify a reason, be like, see that bar. That's why that did that. Right. You can always justify a reason, but the only way that technical analysis is actually valid predicting the future is if you have a way to test it or like, like if like in the stock market, we have decades and decades of data, right. Where you can like back test ideas and come up with an expectancy, like, like if then statements, if this technical bar does this with this indicator over the last 10,000 times, X has happened, right? And then if you can find a positive expectation on a trading strategy, that's how you do that. So in my, in my prior world in the futures market, that's what I did. I mean, I spent li- quite literally thousands of hours like testing and running and trading strategies. Um, But now that world has become so competitive. You're, you're competing against stuff that works at like lightning speed and it's just, it's ridiculous. So I got out of that and The way that technical analysis works to answer your question directly is if you can combine both. So just looking at like, if you read a book on technical analysis and you're like, okay, this is what a head and shoulders is, or this is what a breakout pattern looks like, like that alone is not enough. You have to understand the big picture, like what, what everybody is thinking and you have to obviously understand the basics of technical analysis, but you have to combine the two and you have to come up with a thesis for why you're thinking a specific way, not just, okay, this is a break of support or this is a break of resistance or, you know, something like as basic as that you have to combine it to create a strategy where when you, there's two things in trading. First, you got to look at the possibilities, like everything that could happen, And then you look at the probabilities, what's most likely to happen. And then the only time that you should really take a trade is if A, you understand what's most likely to happen and B, there's an opportunity to get in with good risk to reward. So in other words, you want a higher probability than 50% of something happening. And then you want to be able to execute on that idea with, in my opinion, and and what I shoot for is a a two to one minimum reward to risk ratio. So whenever I get into a trade, I want to see the potential to make two or $3 for every dollar that I risk. Hmm. Sometimes I get a lot more. Sometimes it loses and I, you know, it goes against me, but I I won't enter a trade unless I see a higher probability of it working and I can get favorable reward to risk.
3: Hmm. Some sage wisdom from Chris Dunn (laughs) on the show today. Thanks, dude. I, I like to. What's funny is we meet recently, uh, Corey and, uh, my volume sounds like it's jumping around. Are you hearing that too? No? Uh, okay.
4: sounds pretty good on my end.
3: Oh, okay. I must be hearing things. But recently, uh, Corey and I have taken to trading and we've been pretty active, like, uh, for at least the last month and a half or two months. Uh, and we're doing well and a lot better than I, than my first trade, which I lost all of that but (laughs) nice uh, man it's a but i'm the over um i see all the patterns too much guy Mm -hmm. so i'll I'll, I'll like hey guys i think there's a cup and handle coming up and they're like you're on the the one minute chart why don't you yeah yeah
4: that's that's like (laughs) point is like it's it's not super liquid and so like you can Man, you can go crazy looking at chart patterns. It's like it's like looking at the clouds. It's like, is that an elephant? No, that's a giraffe.
3: Yeah. No, never mind. It's a car. <laughs> Every time I read about a pattern, I'm like, look, it's right there. It's right there on the 30-minute chart. Just look at it. I see
4: it. It's speaking to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, look, man. Give me your addresses, and I'll, I'll shoot you a copy of my book. Maybe that'll add some clarity for you.
3: Sweet. Awesome. Uh, or if we're in Austin before then. You know, we, I mean, I go to Austin kind of frequently, so. but Yeah, uh, hit
4: me up. We live right downtown, so.
3: One last question. Um, sure. In 10 words or less, can you describe Bitcoin? Ha, ha,
4: ha, magic internet money. No, I don't want to use that one. That that one's too easy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ooh, man. Borderless money that gives you access to a global, Man, I don't know if this is more than 10 words. Here, let me count. Borderless money that gives you access to a global economy.
3: That's 10 on the dot. I like it. All right.
4: Cool. (laughs) Yeah. The the reason why I say a global economy, so I just went to Myanmar and, uh, you know, formerly Burma and Southeast Asia. And, like, these people are so afraid of banks. Everybody literally, like, puts their money under their, their mattress. And I was just explaining the concept of Bitcoin. And this is a country of 50 million people or more that like has never had access to the the current financial system, right? They, they've they been under this repressive government regime for like 50 years or more. And so I was showing them this and they're like, oh my God. I'm like, you know how you want to, like I was talking to these startup guys. I'm like, you know how you want to, you know, start a digital marketing agency or st- tra- start this travel site. Here's, I know you guys can't get merchant accounts or can't open bank accounts. Here's how you can transact internationally. And here, here's the things you can do with this. And their mind was blown. So that's why, like, I, to me, like, I think borderless money, right? That Mm -hmm. opens you up. No matter if you're a farmer or a fisherman in Myanmar or in New York City, like you, you're on the same playing field now. I love it,
3: man. Bitcoin is the killer app. For sure. That's what I say. That's a, I, I've said that before. Uh, I know that the community is just, they keep, like, to throw that phrase out there, what's going to be the killer app for for Bitcoin, but quite frankly, global currency is a pretty big deal,
0: so, mm-hmm.
3: I don't know, nevertheless, you, you nailed that tough question, knocked it out of the ballpark.
4: Thanks, D. <laughs> so, uh,
3: that's all we have for you here, and, and thanks right. for stopping by the show, um, you know, And and good luck on all of your future trades. Uh, Good luck with the book. And we'll definitely be keeping tabs on you. You're more than welcome to come back anytime. If you have any new news in Chris Dunn's world and you're trying to put the word out on it, you're obviously welcome back.
4: Well, thanks, man. I I appreciate it. This was fun. And, you know, if I can help any of your listeners or any of you guys with anything, like don't be afraid to reach out. I'm on Twitter, Chris Dunn TV, everywhere on social media. So I'm here for the community, man. That's what it's about.
3: That was the interview with Chris Dunn, wise investor, savvy investor, started out, uh, I believe, not doing very doing very meager jobs, very earnest jobs, and like working at a country club, I think he said, um, like uh, cleaning <laughs> golf clubs probably, doing something random, and just soaking up information from people. And he turned all that information into active learning, is what we like to call, and has made quite quite a uh, living for himself investing. He started out investing the traditional stuff, heard when to Bitcoin, and yeah, I guess it ever, the rest is history, they should say. He's got products, you should go to his website. Um, he has his own podcast too. Yeah, he's got his own podcast, which is why the sound quality was fucking nominal.
1: Should You should probably say what that podcast is. Uh,
3: Chris Dunn TV,
2: is that it? Yeah, just go to that website and he's got, you, you'll have access to like everything there.
3: Yeah, I think it's Chris Dunn TV. Let me, let me do a quick little...
1: ChrisDunn.com. Com Podcast is... Yep,
3: ChrisDunn.com, and you'll see all of his resources, podcasts, blog, and you could even start your journey, and you might want to click there if you'd like to start a journey with Mr. Chris Dunn.
2: It's like those DeVry commercials, like, hey, you, yeah, you on the couch, you're not doing nothing. Why don't you come to this college and do something with your life? <laughs> I hate you the education them?
3: connection commercials. Yeah, those
2: like clearly tailored to black people because they have that hip-hop beat in the back God, like, that's it's gonna so enroll people
3: every uh, single, single time, time. <laughs> yeah and like i always catch myself grooving to it every time it's like education Ooh, yeah, good connection good mm, it's a fly-ass beat i'm gonna go to that place oh yeah i am man.
2: gonna i am gonna call that toll-free number oh oh uh,
3: yeah <laughs> it's so vulgar at the beginning though so abrasive hey you yeah you you ain't doing shit I know you ain't doing shit. You should call us... It's like, damn. (laughs) If you're watching TV
1: when this is airing, you ain't doing
3: nothing. (laughs) Anyways, we've got more stuff to talk about. We promised we were going to talk about the Lightning Network. And the reason why it's called the Lightning Network is because if you touch it, you're going to explode. That's on the white paper. Yep. If you touch the Lightning Network, you explode... Out of your extremities, lightning shoots out of your fingertips. And uh, urban myth is when you get struck by lightning, your dick explodes. So it's a real, real bad scene. Uh, that you really went with that one, huh? You well, so straightforward. Yeah, man. The energy, it's got to go somewhere. And I guess it goes to the extremities. So like, you're getting lightning out of your toes, out of your fingers. And then, of course... Your best friend, the downstairs guy, kaboom, like a frickin' balloon.
1: Well, if we're gonna be not sex- sexist, what happens to women?
3: Uh, it's more space for movement. I don't know. Maybe the clitoris explodes. The boobies? The boobies, they might explode. You know what? We should have done more research on lightning strikes before we went into that myth. <laughs> incoming email from Ann Connelly. I didn't know. incoming why did you do that <laughs> we were patching that up oh She's uh, not,
2: she doesn't listen to the show yeah so. there's no way she listens
3: uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: but anyway. if you're cool
3: like jamie fox you just turn into a blue guy that hates people that hurt your feelings so oh you forgot my name i don't yeah. know. shout out to the amazing spider-man 2 for being one of the worst movies ever no, he forgot who I am. Now I'm his mortal enemy. Ah That's literally the plot. I just gave you the plot. Sorry, spoiler alert. Okay. Um Lightning Network. Uh you probably can't touch it. But it's the transactions for the future as they're marketing on our website. Um allows for instant payments, scalability, low cost, cross blockchain communication. And essentially what it does, Corey, please correct me if I'm wrong, is you could take your Bitcoin, you can open up, oh, is that music?
1: I think cello is, Cicello, you playing
3: bignone? music? You can no. His mic. No, I'm here.
1: <laughs> one of you is listening to the nate dog
3: yeah i heard that all right
2: can all right uh, we were talking about nate dog a lot it made me want to listen to some nate dog i'm multitasking
3: sorry
2: i forgot my cans are open all right
3: let's just resume okay so lightning network you could take some of your bitcoin a bitcoin most likely and you can open it up uh And you open a transaction on the real blockchain, like it's going to verify, boom, oh, there's an open transaction, boom. But in your suspended Bitcoin, any number, I believe, not any number, it's got to be some capacity per Bitcoin, but a high amount of transactions can flow off-chain, and I say, I'm saying off-chain with quotations, but we do all audio on this show, so... I have to let you know I'm doing quotation off chain transactions can occur between parties mm-hmm. in that channel of payments. And then once those transactions are done, then the transact, the original transaction that was open and suspended, the Bitcoin will close. And then all of those are now copied to the Bitcoin blockchain. Am I oh. right or am I wrong
1: you're pretty, pretty close, pretty pretty spot on there.
3: Okay, so when I say off-chain, it's off-chain in the essence that real-time the transactions are occurring in a suspended Bitcoin. Okay, in a separate ledger that is, is built on a smart contract, a very simple smart contract. Okay, and then when that smart contract closes, then skadoosh, all those transactions on that micro ledger are now copied to the big the big daddy blockchain is what we're gonna start calling Big Daddy Chain. Okay, and then you've got uh you've got recorded verifiable transactions now on the Bitcoin blockchain. So what this allows for is an in approaching infinity number of transactions because they're trying to build a network layer on top of the Bitcoin blockchain layer player that i'm kidding i got too in, into that Mart. and a dog is flowing through us today but they're trying to build a layer that behaves the very same way packets are, are are transferred on the internet currently in this day and age all right so your if your transaction and i believe they're trying to the finished product of lightning network will be the transaction that you start at a place is going to find the easiest route to get to the Bitcoin blockchain.
1: Mm, I don't know about I don't, the impl, actual implementation of the lightning network. I don't think is there's what's kind of cool about this is that there's a lot of people creating implementations of the lightning network protocol. You got yours network. Bitfury has uh, paired with some people to, to make an implementation of lightning network. And so we may end up with multiple, I guess, I'm not gonna say versions, but implementations and see which one actually wins of micro channels, a network of micro channels. Yeah. And so what this allows for, and I think that's kind of really cool, is um, like a pay per click or paper action type of business model. And when you're done doing whatever you're doing, like it's really true, really true micro microtransactions or micropayments. And as you're doing something, say if you're like reading a book and you want to pay per page, as you swipe through, when you're done, the transaction's already done. Or if you're like, I don't know, there's a lot of certain types of things for video, media, pictures, social media, like imagine imagine a Reddit that's where you can curate things, like the Yours Network. Mm -hmm. I don't know, there's... I would just and-
3: love to get Joseph Poon and Thaddeus on the show. Like, I've asked them lots of times. I think they're doing a great job of dodging media. Duck, dick, dodge, duck, what are the five D's? Dodge.
2: Did you say their names
3: were Poon and Thaddeus? Um, Joseph Poon and Thaddeus Drya, I believe is how you say his last name. Huh?
2: Sounds like the arch nemesis of Saucier and McKibben's.
1: Mm. We
3: could build that context. Poon and Thaddeus are at it again. Damn it, Poon and Thaddeus! And then they could say, "Damn you, Saucier and McGibbons."
2: I'm trying to realize yeah. I add like no real value to this show lately.
3: Sorry, <laughs> 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 it's not true whatsoever <laughs> at all. Um, it's what? <laughs> How is that not value? Wait, like we're building comic books. Within the community of people in the community, <laughs> that's true. Galvin, Gavin is mega mind. That's true. I can Definitely. see that. Um, sorry, what was I saying? I was saying a thing. Uh, you were saying a thing, Corey,
1: and I interrupted you. Actually. Oh yeah, just the lighting network allows for a lot of different business models uh, to actually be put into production in being used. So a lot of people I know are creating things and have been creating things for a long time waiting for this to come through so that they can then go on air. Mm. And like So a lot of really cool applications, a, little, like a lot of new ways of doing things will come out really quickly when these things are implemented. And it, it's going to allow mm. for a rapid expansion of growth. Yeah in the it's, cryptocurrency community. And what's also really cool about this is that you can go cross-chain with the lightning layer like with the layer two network, you can you can use different blockchains. As long as they use the same encryption. That's the one caveat. Well for now that may that, that's the one caveat but there may be future implementations that allow for cross-talk between multiple cryptocurrencies.
3: So so essentially what this allows is for Bitcoin to kinda of become the thing that we want it to become. You know? Like it's global system, everybody's doing transactions on the Bitcoin blockchains happen at the speed of sound. People have their panes of glass that are actually cell phones, like in that movie with Colin Farrell. Um, and they're doing transactions all the time, always on the Bitcoin blockchain. Or
1: so like so I guess something that has been Brought to my attention uh, is that so the people will live on the Lightning Network. If you're using Bitcoin and you don't care about um, a problem with a given transaction, then you're never really interacting with the Bitcoin blockchain. You're only living in the Lightning Network, right? And the nodes associated with it. The only time you actually use the Bitcoin blockchain is 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 when you have a problem, so the blockchain asks, serves as an arbiter or a you know an aut- aut- autonomous judge, if you will, of who gets what money. And so that so you essentially have as many transactions as you want, never have to really worry about anything. Your money just lives on the Lightning Network. Uh, but so in that case, that way of looking at it the Lightning Network ends up looking like fractional reserve banking. And Bitcoin is more of like the actual money supply. Mm. And what someone has pointed out is that just like fractional reserve banking, if all of us decided to take our money out of the banks, there's not enough money to go around. If everyone or a large number of people decide they want to settle with the Bitcoin blockchain from the Lightning Network, then there's not enough transactions to go around to settle. And that could be with the essentially the low amount of transactions that the Bitcoin blockchain can handle. But that hasn't happened with fractional reserve banking as much as we in the Bitcoin space don't really like fractional reserve banking. And so we can't say that it won't happen, but there's a possibility that it will. And there are solutions to fix something like that, like dynamically adaptable blockchain sizes and so on and so forth.
3: Yeah, I'd imagine that you'd have to have some sort of upper limit on the number of Lightning nodes you could have in order to have a fully functional blockchain, Big
1: Daddy blockchain. Oh, well, that depends on how well it works. If the one has problems with their transactions, if, if you can essentially not worry about uh, the security of your transactions, or whether or not someone wants to try and like, close, send the send the closing exit transaction to close a payment channel. If all of that stuff happens on, automatically and, and with relative ease, then there won't be a lot of disputes. The more disputes you have, the more you're interacting with the actual Bitcoin blockchain. And so you're having what people... What I think is is the best almost one of the best use cases for Bitcoin is the Bitcoin is a settlement layer where if you have a problem, you settle with the you know immutable code mhm or you know immutable blockchain I would and have to demand more dynamic layers on top
3: I would have to demand and put my damn foot down on like anchors every like there have to be. And from what I understand, your transaction can even jump from lightning node to lightning node.
1: Yeah. So what it does is it finds
3: the quickest route
1: route. to the person you're trying to pay. And however many people in between, how many lightning network nodes that people are running in between person A and person M, they all take a very small cut because they're essentially escrowing your transaction through like legit. it's, It's kind of difficult to explain. Chain the transactions, and each person along the line takes a cut. Yeah, so that's why it's called lightning. Because
3: your transaction bings through a network like lightning, and it takes the quickest route to the person that you're trying to pay. Yeah, so boom, that's how it works. But I I mean, it seems like you know, whatever algorithm they're going to enlist that you know that sparks this thing off, there has to be some sort of like maximum time limit a payment channel can be open or something like. You can't just have all these off-chain transactions going through like one node. That's just Or maybe you can. I don't know. What that's what I was going to get to is when I've been reading about segregated witness lightning it's Network. And
1: a, it's almost like a peer-to-peer system, but you can mediate through people closer to you. And so it's as long as you're just you're you're running a node, you just mediate transactions because you have a lot of channels open to people that other people are trying to get to. So say you have three people, Alice, Bob, and Charlie. Um Alice wants to talk to Charlie, but doesn't have a payment channel open directly between A and C, right? Mm -hmm. But Bob already has payment channels open between both Alice and C. So he has a a direct bidirectional link between A and C. And so instead of A opening up a direct channel with C, he just sends the money to B, and B sends the money to C. But B takes a small cut. And so you can can act as a node and just mediate transactions. But in order to do that, it's a proof of stake system. You need to put money up front. If you want it to be autonomous, you're going to put a down payment, a giant deposit that's then locked into an account. And so then it's just automatically done through the protocol because the money's locked in that account. And then you can just essentially mediate transactions.
3: I'm just thinking from a consumer standpoint, it's going to have to be Pretty, pretty fucking shiny and polished upon launch.
1: Yeah, not upon launch until when it, it, it's the things that are going to be built on top of this that use the Lightning Network that need to be shiny and polished. As long as it works, it works.
3: Yeah, I keep forgetting it's like a root thing. It's
1: like a. It's a protocol. It's, protocol. it's, 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 it's An implementation. And things will be built on top of it. Like think about the think about yours network, right? hmm And that's going and and their implementation of what will be a Lightning Network. Or you know a, a micro channel, micro transaction payment. So uh, you can this, the way that it works, from what I understanding, is that you know someone posts something and you want to give them some money directly. So you give them money directly through a payment channel. Open up a payment channel, and then you'll earn money based on what other people then give money to after that. So you're curate the content, right? You say, I like this content. I would like to give them some money. That's shown on the entire network, which then boosts the, I don't know, uh, popularity of that particular content. Mm -hmm. And when people continue to boost the popularity of the content through curation or liking it by giving them money, the people who previously curated will get kind of a kickback for bringing that content to light early. And this can only be done through... Microtransactions and payment channels like this, so an implementation of a Lightning network. Mm -hmm. So you're you're also you're allowing good content to rise to the surface naturally through a community and what that community likes, and you're directly paying the content provider as well as those who have um, promoted that content early. Which in an a in a automatic decentralized way that's that's fucking awesome. Mm. And that's mm. a short plug for yours network. We're not af- yeah. affiliated with them, but we're really following the project.
3: <laughs> yeah, man, it's these upgrades are intense, and it's and that's
1: really cool. Like an idea of how like what, what type of use case this can be. That could be a decentralized Reddit, which you can then directly pay the content provider, which is really hard to do nowadays yeah in a provo- in a provable way that's fair
3: and it what, what some things just some things to that I was thinking about as I was doing the research on these upgrades is that damn I am out of my league and the computer science needed to pull all of this shit off even with just the Bitcoin blockchain like Bitcoin, which is supposedly archaic and slow and man. Nakamoto, Satoshi Nakamoto's freaking genius, Gavin. All those guys that are working on this are just phenomenal brains. Phenomenal Absolutely. people.
1: I mean, I, I have a I have a PhD in computational science, computational and, physics, and I specialize in high performance computing. And a lot of this stuff is hard to grasp and understand. And it takes a inordinate amount of time to follow.
2: Yeah, I learned just listening to you guys.
3: It's this is it's it's bananas and 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 so the reason i'm saying that is because when you hear things like bitcoin is dead or or bitcoin is not as good as what these banks can do and like oh bitcoin is okay but blockchain really is going to get your balls warm like no that's a sales pitch I wish like this these yeah, that should be a, that would be an awesome commercial <laughs> bitcoin's okay but blockchain that'll get your balls warm no Bitcoin is it, guys, and there's people invested in this and working on it. Big big old brains, big old hearts working on this project and pouring themselves into it that just they're doing phenomenal things and like we're just glazing on this stuff, trying to make it digestible. It's tough stuff to do all of these things. It's tough. And that's probably why consensus is taking so long in the Bitcoin network. Is because when they're going to do it They're going to do it right And they're going to do it damn well And they're going to keep this Bitcoin train running Having fuck yes They're going to keep this thing going for even longer So Yeah I mean Bitcoin is the shit I guess that's what I'm trying to say Not to say other blockchains, other coins aren't cool But Bitcoin's definitely leading the way In a good way And so Alrighty we'll then
1: the new era and we're excited to be giving you another four years of Bitcoin news. Yeah. Throughout the next throughout throughout this Bitcoin era.
3: So. Yeah. We're gangsters now. We're OGs officially. We've made it through a havening. Held the whole time. Hodled the whole time. Hells yeah. Anyways. Yeah. uh let's do our shit where we plug our own shit. Oh, hey, hold on. Uh me and Corey we
2: have a bet tonight. Uh, oh, yeah. A Bitcoin bet that yeah. um, Brock Lesnar will not make it to the second round. Corey thinks he will.
1: I think he will.
2: Who do you got on the? Uh, who do you got on um, Edgar versus Aldo? Real quick.
1: Aldo. Who
2: do you got on? And then we both agree. Corey is going to be Silva. Who do you yeah. got on? The, who do you got on the Kane fight?
1: Mm, I don't know. It's a rough one. Um, you know, he's he's fighting Johnny Hendricks, right?
2: No, he's fighting Travis Brown.
1: Oh, I like Travis Brown.
2: Ronda Rousey's boyfriend.
1: Yeah, I like Travis Brown.
2: I'm going to go with Brown just because Velasquez I don't like introduced Travis himself. Brown. I
1: think Brown's going to win. I like him as a fighter. <laughs> personally, I don't like him personally. Amazing. I don't. Know. Uh, Johnny Hendricks, all the way. Uh, he trains at my local gym. In, uh, back in Wait,
3: though. What? He missed weight. Did he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got to show you guys this video I found. What heard about that. These two Mexican fighters in a Mexican league are doing the weigh in, and one of the guys takes a bottle of his pee and sprays it on the other guy, and that was real. Like that's some it, like that's some that's some primal yeah. shit. Yeah, man. I gotta find it. it's on Reddit right now, it's on the front <laughs> who, page. Who like, does that? They, that's disgusting. It was pure anger and rage, and it was like, I wanna just see this fight right now. Like they lost it they lost, lost it that like, takes that takes some premeditative planning like you gotta get into that yeah man if somebody sprayed their pee on me i would get red
1: blind anger you in my eyes in a spray bottle you gotta hold it in your pocket that's a really like polite way of saying fuck you in like a disgusting way like a spray bottle you could I have, his, like, put in a cup and thrown it on him, but, like, he, like, misted it. He, like, you missed could it
3: see his trainer, like, put the bottle in his hand when he had it behind his back, and then he just starts spraying the guy in the face. And once the guy,
1: Not only have you done it yourself, you've coordinated with other people. So you've discussed this.
3: Yep. And That's impressive. Yeah, but the funny thing is, is, like, he's spraying the guy, and then his trainer says, hey, man, stop spraying him. That's enough. Like, you got your point across. And, but they're all speaking Mexican, except for like when they got really angry, those curse words were in English. Like, he was like,
0: I want to fuck you up. I
3: was like, dang, this we is real. I'm going to send you, that. I'm definitely going to send you the link to that. But, anyways, we need to plug our stuff. um Thebitcoinpodcast.com. Also on Twitter, you can vote on that poll. There's five more hours if cory wins or Cello wins. Um, Wait, the- Corey, who do you got on the Tate fight? Tate. All right, so we're all in
2: agreement then, just except for our bet.
1: Okay, good. At
3: the BTC. Um, at the BTC yeah. podcast. <laughs> okay? uh, I was trying to find that video to show to you guys because you got see it. It's, it's some real shit. Yeah, keep going. At the BTC podcast on Twitter. Uh, Cello runs the Twitter at, Mojincello, at Mojin Cello, at M O J I N Cello, like the instrument. And, uh, he does a great job running the Twitter. Uh, he'll yeah. talk to you. you. Yeah. And, uh, if you talk to him, he'll talk back. Um, Corey has a Twitter at Core Petty, at C O R Petty. Um, yep. And I have a Twitter, Fergalati Um,. Yeah, those are our twitters. We have the affiliate thing at Purse. If you want to do some shopping on Purse, go to our website first. Click on the banner, get
1: your shit, and then you know what to do. Doo. I think also if you sign up and you don't click on our link, you can just put the, f- the promotion code BTCcast, yep, and it'll 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 essentially sign us, sign you up through us. Yeah, look
3: look at us learning shit about how to be a better. Business. Yeah. So you can like put BTC cast in the promo code and then you get stuff too. And we get stuff. You get those discounts. We get stuff. So we want to make a better show. Corey needs a better mic. If you've been around with us this whole time, you know that. So yeah. (laughs) So what else do we do? Corey writes his blogs on Medium on the Bitcoin podcast blog, uh, through Medium. Um I write some stuff on there too, we're just out there guys, you know, you can follow us on the Facebook as well, Um and also yeah, sign up for our newsletter, Um if you haven't yet, just stop through the website, go to the newsletter tab, and you know, send us an email, we don't spam, we usually just have our newsletter go out once a week, it shows what new episodes are out, um, and that's about it, so yeah, anybody else have anything to add? um
2: yeah next week fucking andreas antonopoulos is gonna be here
3: andreas, 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 andreas. that's right we got andreas finally it was an amazing conversation that guy whoo amazing okay so i'm guessing uh play the outro
1: smoke weed every day
0: Oh,